0: Welcome to the podcast of Scott Street MB Church. We hope you find this message inspiring and encouraging in your walk as a disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we've been talking about the path for the last 6 weeks and I don't even know if you know this this path that we take and so I thought I would Sarah and I would take you on our journey to the lighthouse. So that is the journey that we take your the direction you take will determine your uh, where you end up, your destination, and we ended up going left and going to the lighthouse. and And I hope you've been enjoying the words of Solomon. Isn't he wonderful and wise? The book of Proverbs. Um, I hope you've been learning as he's been teaching us, as Joan was reading this morning. There's so much, even in just that one scripture you read, Joan. There's there's so much great wisdom for us in the book of Proverbs. Um, I hope to, to preach uh, again in Proverbs in the coming years. We did six weeks, but you can see there's so much wisdom there, and we have a lot to learn. And next time, we'll go right to Happy Rolf's uh, out of the driveway instead of left to the lighthouse. We're on week six, and so far we've learned, number one, that your direction determines your destination. Two, life is a series of mid-course corrections. If we're wise, we'll change our uh, We'll change the path we're on so that we get on a better path. Number three, we should seek we shouldn't trust our hearts because our, our hearts can deceive us. But rather we should trust our hearts to Christ. Number four, we should seek wise counsel. We should seek wise people to, to assist us, and many people to assist us to make decisions and to be on the right path. Number five. Last week we talked about attention determines direction. Do you remember we talked about cell phones and different things that that grab our attention? And that's why we turn our our phones off in church, isn't it? Yes, that's why we turn. And also so we're not embarrassed um, when our phones go off in worship. So today we're asking, what do you do when you realize that the journey that you're on, the destination that you're trying to achieve is unachievable? The dream that you had is not going to come true. I don't know, maybe you've had some dreams, you've had some destinations, but they were unreachable. You had some dreams, but they weren't realistic. You had some destinations, but you will, for one reason or another, you'll never get there. It just doesn't seem like this is God's will for you. Sometimes the destinations we choose are because, or the destinations we end up with, are, are because of decisions we have made. Some are because of decisions that other people have made that has sort of limited us and put us on another path. Sometimes we are to blame for being on the path we're on. Sometimes no one is to blame. But in time, the reason for our inability to reach where we want to get to becomes irrelevant. And we realize that we are where we are, and we aren't going anywhere else. We're not where we want to be, but there doesn't seem to be any way to change it. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there that you're just not where you want to be, but you, you can't seem to change it? Everybody faces disappointment at one point in their lives. Time is often the culprit. There was a football coach who told us, team, we didn't lose. We just ran out of time. They lost. Perhaps with unlimited time, we could make more of our dreams come true. We could. If only we could stop the clock, maybe things that, the destination we want to reach, maybe we could reach there. But at some point, we wake up to the realization that whatever it is, it's not going to happen. Now, we're focusing on Proverbs 13, 12, and the verse says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And I, I think we all know that this is true. When you realize that your dream is unfulfilled, your heart feels sick. It's sort of your natural first reaction. We ache and we hurt. So what do you do when you realize that you're just not going to make it to your destination? You get heart sick. Your heart feels sick. You get bitter or you get better. When you're heartsick, sick, you have to choose. You either stay there where you are and, you, and you're frustrated because you can't get to where you want to get to, and you get bitter. Or there's a number of steps that help you to get better. We think about our biblical heroes. They too knew what it was like to be heartsick. Take Joseph. Remember Joseph? He had many brothers. He had a beautiful coat that he wore, 17 years old. And in a dream, he saw himself uh, ruling over his father, ruling over the nation and his brothers. He told his brothers this dream, and they threw him in a well. And you you remember, he found himself in slavery, sold into slavery. How do you think you would feel if you were sold into slavery? I have a feeling you would feel heartsick. Your heart would be broken. I had a dream of what I was going to do, and I ended up a slave. How about Daniel? Daniel, around the same age, a young teenager, found himself chained to another Israelite, being dragged hundreds of miles away into a foreign country. His heart must have been sick. Where am I? Why am I here? Just broken. Um, Some of you know I am a professor at at Tyndale University still, and I teach thanatology, which is death and dying, and all the systems and nuances around death, dying, and grief. And there's a story in the Bible: a heartbroken King David. King David, uh, he was waiting back in in his castle. Back home to hear about there was a war going on, and his son Absalom was leading this challenge, was, was leading this war. And news comes back that his son was killed. I don't know if you remember, Absalom had long hair and he got stuck up in the tree, and they caught him in the tree, and they they cut him down. And someone comes and tells David about the death of his son. Here's what David says. Now you can just hear his broken heart. He says, Oh, my son Absalom, my son my son absalom if only i had died instead of you oh absalom my son my son 2 samuel 18:33 you can just hear his broken heart his dream for his son and his son's leadership and his son's life was shattered he was heartbroken Now, there's another New Testament example of someone who who was heartbroken and struggled, couldn't reach their destination. It's the Apostle Paul. Now, you may remember that there's a reference to Paul having a thorn in the flesh. And we we don't know exactly what it is. He never mentioned it, really, interestingly. Some believe that that Paul's thorn in the flesh was poor eyesight. Imagine being uh, Paul writing a lot of our scripture, your whole life revolving around communication, writing, and preaching and not being able to read well. They wouldn't have had laser surgery or the kind of eyeglasses we have now. So poor eyes was, was a real challenge back then. Some people believe that uh, the Apostle Paul's challenge was that he had poor knees. Who here has bad knees? Does anybody have bad knees? Am I the only one with bad knees? My creaky knees when I'm getting up in the morning. Well, they say perhaps Paul had bad knees as well. And imagine living when Paul lived, there are no trains or planes or buses, not even bicycles. Imagine having, being called to spread the word of God. Remember, he was on boats and he traveled to Rome and Jerusalem. Imagine not being able to walk well. It would be a challenge. Lastly, most of the theologi- uh, theologians believe that um, Paul actually had epilepsy. And that he imagined being a speaker and getting up in front of people and always worrying, am I going to have a seizure? Will I be thrown? Will I fall to the ground in front of these people? What will they think? What will they say? He had this thorn in the flesh and he despaired over it. And he prayed, God, take this thorn in the flesh away. But God didn't. And then there's Jesus. The Bible says the night before he was crucified, he went to the garden and he prayed. He prayed. He prayed because he knew what kind of death he was faced with. And he prayed, Father, if there is any way that we, we can do this without me having to die on the cross, please take this fate from me. So he was anguished. You remember, the scripture says he, he um, sweated drops of blood. He was so distraught. He was heartsick. What do you do when your dreams don't come true? Well, a lot of people get angry at God, angry at life. They start to despair. When you can't make something happen happen and, and you know you're not going to reach your destination, and nothing you can do can get you there, sometimes you just feel like you're falling in a pit, and you get bitter. Do you know people who live in bitterness? Because their dreams have been snatched. My prayer for all of us is that we would live until we die. If there's anything that is stopping you in your life, that's creating a bitterness, that stops you from being the man and the woman God wants you to be, then you have to manage your bitterness and turn it into, into a betterness, to turn it into something, and we'll talk about that in a minute, how to turn your bitterness into something good. The second option is to do what Paul does. He writes to his friends in Corinth, he writes, To keep me from being conceited, because of these surpassing great revelations, so God has taught Paul so much, because of these, to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in the flesh. He calls it a messenger of Satan to torment me. This is 2 Corinthians 12. He was given this thorn in the flesh, and he's tormented. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away. How many times have you pleaded with the Lord to take away your trouble? Paul prayed three times, Lord, take away this trouble. Paul had some amazing highs, but he had some very low lows, and he has this thorn in the flesh, this physical ailment that he's going to have for the rest of his life. It's probably painful. It keeps him from fulfilling his dreams. So what do you do when you can't reach your dreams, number one? Well, this is actually number two already. You can pray fervently. Pray. Paul prayed three times. So Paul prayed, and, and then in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, But he said to me, God said to Paul, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in My power is made perfect in your weakness. How many of us are weak? How many of us are weak? Oh, Lord, I'm weak. I need your power. God's power is made perfect in my strength? No. God's power is made perfect in my weakness, in my challenges, in my struggles, and I believe in my broken dreams. My dream of being a male model with the beautiful hair my whole life. imagine having a beautiful head of white hair. I look out there at some of you gentlemen my age or older with that beautiful hairdo. That dream is over. I'm sorry, Sarah. That dream, the dream of your beautiful husband with the long hair, it's over. God's power is made perfect in our weakness. After you have prayed, number three, you listen for God's voice. In the midst of the prayer, it's possible to hear God's voice. And the prayer is, Lord, help me understand. I remember when I was 49 years old, I had my first heart attack. And my prayer was, Lord, help me to understand. Help me to understand. I can remember laying on the couch in Nairobi, Kenya, and I was so skinny. I was dying. I had uh, typhoid and malaria and hepatitis. I was, this, I was down around 100 pounds. And I was ugly and skinny and yellow because my liver wasn't working well. I was laying on the couch and I was praying, Lord, why did you bring me to Africa to kill me here? Like, why, Lord? And that was, that was a challenge. And I was listening for God's voice. And he says, my power is made perfect in your weakness. And I didn't die. And my heart's still pumping. Listening to God's voice. Romans 8, 28. We know all things work for good for those who love the Lord. We know that in all things, God works for good for those who love him. So what's going on? Maybe you've lost your dream, but what is God doing? So we better stop and listen. Paul found a way to understand about his thorn in the flesh. 2 Corinthians twelve nine. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. So that takes our weakness and glorifies it. Number four, you can accept reality and find the good in it. And this is an important step. Let's listen to Paul. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. This is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness. I delight in insults and in hardships, in persecutions and in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Isn't that powerful? That takes takes a weakness that takes a a difficulty, that takes a broken dream, and it it gives it life. It gives God power in us and through us. It turns bitterness into betterness. For when I am weak, then I am strong. How many of you need God's strength today? Yeah, I, I need God's strength. I need his strength. And it's not going to come because of my strength. It's going to come because I give him my weaknesses, my brokenness, and my dreams. You can use your hardships for God's glory. Whatever Paul had, he decided he would glorify God with it. When Jesus was in his darkest moments wrestling with the agony of the cross, he chose this prayer he says my father if it is possible may this cup be taken from me yet not as i will but your will be done and then you may remember paul prayed a second uh, jesus prayed a second time matthew 26:42 he prays a second time and it's a slightly different prayer listen to this one jesus prays my father if it is not possible For this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it. May your will be done. He's accepting God's will. He's found the good in it. He's determined to live and to die according to God's will. And this had an implication for me and for my salvation. So the reality is, dear brothers and sisters, that earth is earth and it's not heaven. And then like Matthew 16:33 says, "In this world, you will have trouble." Do you know anyone who doesn't have trouble? Do you know anyone who doesn't have any trouble? I don't, I don't know anybody who doesn't have any trouble. It's what you do with the trouble that sets people apart. It's how you live with your struggle and your broken dream that sets you apart. I don't know a single person who hasn't suffered. I wonder what such a person would be like. I don't think I'd like them. (laughs) No, there is no such thing. There is no such thing as a person who doesn't struggle. Most often it seems God leaves us with our thorn in the flesh, an obstacle or two that help us to trust him. I believe that every dream that is unfulfilled is the hand of God moving us and using us. He knows our dreams, he cares about our dreams, and he cares about us. So when Sarah and I moved to St. Catharines, I needed a new cardiologist. Uh, I, I am a heart attack victim. I'm victimized by my heart. I have a little stent in my heart. So someone recommended that I go to Dr. Chu. I don't know if you know Dr. Chu. I've been to him a number of times, and he's been uh, a missionary and a pastor. He's an incredible cardiologist. When I go to him, sometimes we talk about my heart, every time we talk about Jesus. He's a wonderful doctor. Oh, and I always tell him about you. I always tell him about, he goes, so how is, how is Scott Street Church going? And I tell him all about each of you and what God is doing and the excitement that we have and, and my love for you. And he tells me about his church. He drives to Toronto to go to church every week. So I said, why don't we start a Chinese church right here at Scott Street Church? What do you think? I think we could make room. So he, the last time I was with him, he's done all of the tests. He did an electrocardiogram. He did some magnetic resonance imaging, MRI. He did a transesophageal electrocardiogram. I don't even know what that is. All I know is they stuck things all over me you know, and, and tested me. And you know what he said? He turned to me and he says, Rob, I can find no evidence of a heart attack. You had a heart attack. I can see the stent that's in your left anterior descending artery. You've had a heart attack. But other, other than that, there's no evidence in your heart that, you are, that your heart is stressed, that you had any permanent damage From that heart attack i'm sorry church you're stuck with me you're stuck with me i'm not going to die of a heart attack according to my good doctor he says i don't want to see you for a year come back in a year so i danced out of his office and i thanked god and i had a bag of chips (laughs) i was shocked i'm healthy my dream of having a healthy life and a strong heart it was it was like it was given back to me i thought i was broken but the doctor said well there's no evidence other than this stent obviously you had a broken heart but uh, isn't that a wonderful gift yeah it's 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 um it's like that fulfilled dream and it, it gives you life again so why did god allow me to have a heart attack Why does God allow me to have bad knees? Sometimes, like after my last time with Dr. Chu, I realized that God allowed me to have this heart attack, to to teach me and use me and, and and allow me to work out of my weakness, even what I had a perceived weakness. Now I have a strength. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fear. I'm gonna take my medicine, but I'm not gonna fear a heart attack. I'm gonna live well. I'm gonna Bike out to the the lighthouse with my Sarah. And I'm going to give God the glory. Amen. So what do you do when your hope gets delayed? You can get heart sick. But then I'd encourage you, pray fervently. Then I'd ask that you would just listen to God's voice. Listen to him. What is he saying? And then whatever God answers, find the good in it. Find the good in it. What, God, what can God do with this broken vessel? Number five, you can use your hardship to God's glory. Number six, you can believe that somewhere along your path, God is going to do something outrageously good for you. Using your life to do amazing things for God. God loves us. He blesses us. He wants us to experience joy. And he knows that we need hope the second part of proverbs 13:12 states but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life so in some ways that that longing to have a, a strong heart that gift was given back to me so all the more i can work i can live i can i can deal with stress i can i can live i can live now the Israelites, you may remember, they wandered in the desert for 40 years. They were heartsick. sick. God, what are you doing? 40 years. They had disobeyed God and God had, had said, you're not going to get into the promised land. Not you, perhaps your children. Their dream was dead. Then one day God said to Joshua, let's resurrect that dream. Line up the people tomorrow and we'll cross the Jordan. Let me read Joshua chapter four, one. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the nations, one from each tribe, and tell them to each to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from the middle of the river, from right where the priests stood, and to carry them over with you and put them down in a place where you're staying tonight. So everybody grab huge, twelve huge stones and take them to where you're staying tonight. So Joshua called together 12 strong men and appointed the Israelites, one from each tribe, said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord, your God, in the middle of the Jordan River. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of Israelites, 12 stones. And these will serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, What do these stones mean? Tell them, that the flow of the Jordan, the Jordan River, was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. And when we crossed into the Jordan, the water was cut off, and these stones are a reminder of God's love and provision. So they built a tower of stones. You know what you call a tower of stones? A tower of stones. Well, that's one thing to call it. You call it an Ebenezer. An Ebenezer. A tower of stones. Is a tower of stones just a tower of stones? No. It's a story. It's a story of God's goodness. Putting something in front of your eyes to remind your heart about the journey you're on. I put something in front of you this morning. It's not a tower of stones. What do you see on the communion table? What do you see on the communion table? It's, it reminds me, it reminds me of Paraguay. I believe it's from Paraguay. It's a beautiful cactus from Paraguay. It reminds me of the journey that many of you were on. And here's, here's a little secret, don't tell anyone, we have a tree from the acorn from the oak tree in Kortitsa. And we're going to plant that tree on our anniversary this year. Don't tell anyone. We have a a seven-foot tree that's the granddaughter of the tree from Kortitsa. And if you don't know about it, we'll, we'll be talking about it. And this beautiful Uncle Doft David grows these. And last night, I took a video of the flowers opening. Beautiful. It, when you, before you leave today, come and smell. You won't believe how beautiful that the, the flowers smell on that cactus. You know, it's not a cactus. It's an Ebenezer. To me, in my mind, it reminds me of God's love for you and your families from, from the Ukraine, from Russia, from, from Germany, from Holland, from, from all of the places you came and brought you here. This is an Ebenezer. You know how long these flowers last? Day. One day. One day. Thank you, David, for, for this Ebenezer. So we are finishing our journey on the path. I'd like you to do two things. Number one, work through your steps of disappointment. You've got six steps there, that, um, and I'll be happy to email you the sermon. Work through steps of disappointment. If there is bitterness in your life, it's time to work through it. It's time to go from weakness to strength. It's time to give your weakness to God that he can use it for a strength. Can you do that? Please, dear friends, let's not live a life of bitterness, but let's live a life of love. And number two, is it time for you to build an Ebenezer, to put something in front of your eyes to remind you? your life, your heart about God's goodness. So go home and and put something somewhere in your home that when people ask, what is that? You'll say, I remember someone or something or God's goodness because of this. Today I remember Paraguay, a place I've never been, but I'm going to go, God willing. I remember his goodness to you and your journey through this cactus. Isn't God good? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the path of life and faith. We thank you, Father, for the direction that you have us on now. And Father, help us not move in the direction of bitterness, but to move in the direction of love and forgiveness and to be better for you. Father, when our dreams are unfulfilled, take our dreams and do something with them, we pray. Father, help us to listen to your voice, to find you in our struggles. When we are weak, Father, help us to see your strength. Father, our path is a testimony to your grace and your love. And today we raise our Ebenezer, Scott Street Church, Father. These stones at the corner of Scott Street and Vine for 76 years. Light and salt for Jesus Christ, Here in St. Catharines, Father, we are the evidence of your love. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening. For any questions about the message contact any of our pastors, please visit scottstreetchurch.ca.